Well, we've been reading this letter written to a church in Rome, and we've been going through it at quite a pace, but a pace where I think we can grab hold of a lot of truths. And we've now moved into a section of this letter that Paul wrote to people that he loved, that he cared about, that moved them from doctrine to daily living. And as Pastor Brad's been preaching the last couple of weeks, he brought us into this part on daily living. And one of the things Pastor Brad said so well and brought us into it is that by our faith in the, mis- in the mercies of God, as we trust in the mercies of God, he's going back to Romans chapter 12, the very first verse, right? As we put our faith in the mercies of God, it activates ministry. It activates our ability to serve in the church, to serve our world. And so it's kind of a way to say it's where the rubber hits the road when we get to this place in the book of Romans. Well, this morning, I want to take us to another place as Pastor Brad set us up, is how do we deal with those outside the church? Now, all of us, all of us here have had to deal with different hurts. All of us here have had to deal with attacks. Some of them have been personal attacks. Some of us have had to deal with deep pain, right? And all of us have had to deal with disappointment. So the question is, how does God expect you and me to live, not only in a church where some of these things happen, but in a world where it's happening all the time. How does God want you and me to live when there's so much hurt, there's so much pain, so much disappointment, and so many attacks put upon us coming from various directions? Well, we're going to find out because God cares about us. God wants to speak into our lives. If you have your Bible, if you have a device, I don't think you want to miss this. This is God's Word. He has something He wants to say to each and every one of us. It's why we're here this morning, isn't it? Is we want to hear from God. Not only do we want to express worship to God as we've been doing, but we also want to hear from God. We want God to speak into it, into our hearts. If you're able to stand, could I invite you to stand? We're in Romans chapter 12. I'm going to read just a couple verses, verses 17 to 21. Here's what God has to say. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him, and if he is thirsty, give him a drink, for in so doing, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Before we pray, I want to do something a little different this morning. I want you to just let God speak into your hearts right now. And here's how we're going to do this is I want to read the same verses again, a little slower. And I would like you just to close your eyes and listen. Just close your eyes and listen because this is God speaking to each and every one of us. 
Maybe He'll bring someone to mind. Maybe He'll bring a name to mind, someone that's hurt you. Maybe someone that said something, somebody that's disappointed where you're hurt. But let's hear what God has to say. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all people. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace. Be at peace with all your friends, all your neighbors, all your family members, all your co-workers. Never take your own revenge. But leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Now if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If your enemy is thirsty, give him or her a drink. For in so doing, you'll heap burning coals on their head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Father, we hear these words and we know that all of us have people in our lives, in our spheres. Would you show us how this is even possible this morning? Would you take us to a place maybe where we don't even want to go? The hurt is so deep. But God, we are people of faith. And as Pastor Brad, Brad reminded us, it's when we put our faith in your mercies that things can happen. So God, we again ask you to bring us to a place that would honor you. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may grab a seat. So back in, in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, right? There, there's this, this hinge verse. It, it, it changes because he was talking about doctrine. And then all of a sudden, he gets to this place where he's saying, okay, let, let, let's get into how we should go about daily living. And, and he really lays it out in, in two ways. One was we, we need to present our bodies as living sacrifices. Now, you know what a sacrifice is. It's, it's something that you, you put on an altar. It, it's, it's dead. And that's why we talk about it at Fox Ellie Church. That we, we need to surrender our lives. We, we live palms up. It's our way of trying to keep leading us to this place where we have to die to ourselves. If we do not, we're going to miss out. We're not going to see what God wants us to see. We will not become the people that He wants us to be. But then he says, we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, right? So there, there's this picture now I want, I want to give you that, that's happened that is so significant. So what Paul is concerned about is in one hand, there's this old way of living. There's this old realm. And if, if we really get it simple from chapters 1 to 11, he's burrowing down on the truth of the cross. That that changes 
our lives. That transforms our lives. And so all of us were in this old way of living, or could we say this old realm of living? We used to think ways like the world would think. An eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. That's just the way we worked. Oh, you were mean to me? I'm going to be mean to you. Oh, you one-upped me? I will one-up you, right? I mean, it's a dog-eat-dog world. And these are some of the messages that come to us. I don't need you. I can walk away from you. You hurt me? Bam, I'm out of here, right? I'm done living with the disappointment. I'm done with the pain inflicted. That's the old way of living. But then we encounter the cross. Now let's be really clear what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the cross. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one gets to the Father except through me. Now what does that mean? I'll tell you what it doesn't mean. It does not mean that just because you have faith in God that you are a Christian. Let me say that again. I ask people, how do you get to heaven? Well, I believe in God. You know that won't get you to heaven. Say, wait a minute. Now why do I say it that way? Well, bring in on a little secret. The demons believe in God. And they're not going to be spending eternity with Jesus Christ. So what is it that we need to believe in? Well, it's not just faith. It's not good works. How many times do you talk to people and say, well, I'm a good person. That'll get me to heaven. No, it won't. How good do you have to be? Well, you have to be perfectly good. I don't think anybody here's got I me. Mean, no offense. <laughs> but there's no one here that's perfect. So if just believing in God doesn't get you to heaven, and if good works doesn't get you to heaven, what does? Jesus Christ. But here's the point. We need to put our trust in Jesus Christ for our sin. So it starts out, as you heard a few weeks ago or maybe a couple months now, is we need to at some point acknowledge I am a sinful person. I am separated from God. I have rebelled against God. I have not obeyed God perfectly. That's what Romans is talking about from chapter 1 all the way through chapter 4. Paul's just laying this out that we all have sinned against a holy God. And until you acknowledge that, you cannot cross into the new way of living. You need to come to the point where you say, I am a sinner. Then you need to say, Jesus Christ paid for my sin. See, Jesus, or God, let's just say God, He's not taking all our nonsense, another word for sin, sweeping it under the rug and acting like it didn't happen. Someone had to pay the penalty of this sin. Someone had to pay for all of our crazy. And Jesus did. 
So we need to believe that Jesus paid, not merely for sin, but for my sin, your sin. You need to personalize it. And then you just need to confess it and say, I believe this. I I trust this. I am relying on this. Those are the people that cross over from the old way of living to the new way of living. It's men and women and children and students that come to the place and say, I have sinned against a holy God. Jesus, you died on the cross for my sin. I'm trusting in that payment. We didn't earn that. We don't deserve it. It's just a gift. It's called grace. And that's what makes Christianity unique of all the religions in the world is it's by Christ alone, right? So you put your trust in Christ for your sin. You're here and you've never done that. You've just had this vague notion of I believe in God, but you've never said, no, I am a sinner. I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sin. Now is the time to just pray that prayer right now in your heart. And what will happen right now is that you'll cross over into this new way of living. So if this is the old realm, the old way of thinking, the old way of doing things, by faith we move over into a whole new realm. And there's a new way of living. And that's where we are in Romans chapter 12. Is God is wanting to give you and me wisdom of how to live in this world. How do we do it? How do we do it? How do we live in this new world? Now, I want to set us up as we think about Romans 12, where we've been, is probably you have read it as Pastor Brad was bringing us through, and now this morning as we've read verses 17 to 21, you're probably feeling what I feel. This reads a lot like Proverbs. Now certainly it feels like commands at times. And certainly there are some imperatives. Imperatives are the way we talk about commands in English. Certainly they're there. Do this, don't do this, right? But what I want you to see is what God is doing in the book of Proverbs and what I think God is doing here in Romans 12 is giving you and me wisdom so that we can live differently. Now, So there's no confusion, because I don't like confusion, you don't like confusion. There's two kinds of people in the world. There's fools, and there's wise people. Did I lose anybody yet? (laughs) Right? There's fools, and there's wise. The wise people are the ones who fear God and listen to Him and obey Him. The fool says in his heart, or her heart. There is no God. There is no fear of God. And a lot of people, even people in church, live like fools. But God is saying, you know what, there's a better way. Let me give you some wisdom of how to deal with all the hurt, all the pain, all the disappointment that all of us experience in our marriages, in our family of origins, in our current families, right? There's just enough to go around to capture all of us. So, I want to give you a couple examples of how this is tied to wisdom literature. So we read Romans chapter 12, verse 17. It says, never pay back evil to anyone. 
right? So we read that. Respect what is right in the sight of all people, right? So I said that feels a little bit like wisdom or the Proverbs. It's, it, it's got this proverbial sound to it. Wisdom would say, do not say I'll do to them as they have done to me. I'll pay them back for what they did. Right? So that's coming right out of Proverbs 24, 29. Do not say I'll do to them as they have done to me. That's what God said through Solomon, written a thousand years before Christ, roughly. So we're talking 3,000 years ago, the wisdom of God was, don't say it, I'll do to them as they have done to me. Tit for tat, eye for an eye. To Jesus did the same thing. Listen to what Jesus says. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. See that word, hate your enemy. But listen to what Jesus says. I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Even when you read the Sermon on the Mount, it sounds a lot like wisdom literature. Is Jesus not the greatest sage who ever lived? Is he not the wisest person who ever walked the earth? Is he not the one who said, follow me and I'll give you the ways of life? That was wisdom that he was throwing out to us. Let me give you another example. Romans 12, 18. It says this, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men, with all people. Be at peace with people. Not stir up strife, not do all the turmoil. Wisdom would say deceit is in the hearts of those who plot evil. See how it sounds a lot like Proverbs? Then those who promote peace have joy. Proverbs 12, 20, 12, 20. Look at that last statement again. Those who promote peace have joy. Listen to what Jesus says. Blessed are the peacemakers. You know what blessed means? It means happy. I know people get offended when I use the word happy. But I'm using it now as a grandfather and as a father. When I say I want my children happy, what am I saying? When I say I want my grandchildren happy, what am I saying? I'm not saying I want them just to be ha-ha, happy. I'm saying I want them to be full. I want them to have a life that's joyous and fun and exciting. And they'll never have that apart from God. Blessed is that. It, it's a fullness of life. It, it's, it's shalom in its best meaning, not in terms of the English word peace, but shalom in terms of well-being, that it would go well with you. So Jesus is saying, it'll go well with you if you're a peacemaker, for they shall be called children of God. So you can begin to see how these things are wrapped together in wisdom. So I want you to be thinking about not living like a fool, but living like a wise woman, living like a wise man. So as we do that, let's look at some specifics now. Let's look at some specifics as we go back into verse 17. It says this, it says, never pay back evil for evil. Verse 17, the first part of it, right? So the wisdom of God is he's giving us a negative and he's giving us a positive. The negative is never pay back evil for evil. Now, when should you do that? Well, never. Never pay back evil for evil. That's his point. Look what he says in the positive. 
respect what is right or be careful to do what is right. That word respect is, is sometimes translated, be careful to do what is right. So the negative is, don't, don't do an eye for an eye. Don't do tit for tat. Don't go after people, but rather be careful to do what is right. There, there, there's this flip of it. In verse 18, he says, as much as it depends on you, be at peace with all people. Be at peace. We just need to pause for a moment. Are you a peacemaker? Are you a peacemaker? Now, I know that some people are peace fakers. You know what a peace faker is? They act like everything's okay, but it's really not. Sometimes they dismiss hurt like it didn't happen, when it really did happen. Sometimes they deny the hurt, like the person really didn't mean it, or, or that really wasn't. And Now sometimes, like we saw, we need to believe the best, but sometimes we don't call a spade a spade. What God is saying to us is call a spade a spade. When you've been hurt, acknowledge that you've been hurt. Tell God, man, that really hurt. That was an arrow right to my heart. And there is pain. There's disappointment in what that person said. Now, don't think of abstract people. Sometimes it's your spouse that shoots the arrow. Sometimes it's your children. Now, sometimes it's you doing it to them. We don't escape all this, do we? But he says, as much as possible, be at peace. Be at peace. So to be at peace, we've got to start acknowledging. We've got to start owning. And then we've got to take this collective wisdom and live it out. That's what wisdom is. It's skillful living. So let's look at the third as we think about living it out. You've been hurt. He says, never take your own revenge. Never take your own revenge. Rather, leave room for the wrath of God. Well, why does he say that? Because vengeance is the Lord's. That's coming right out of Deuteronomy. This has been God's plan. This isn't new information in Romans. This is all rooted and grounded in what God had been saying from the beginning. Moses wrote Deuteronomy. He wrote that, we'll just use round numbers, about 1,400 years before Christ, 3,400 years ago. And so what he's saying is, don't take your own revenge. Leave room for the wrath of God. So this sets us up as we live with people in a community where we vehemently disagree, where we have a whole different realm of living, and they're doing things, and they're attacking us, and it's causing pain. God is saying, I've got it. I've got it. I'll cover it. I'll protect you. Maybe not in the way you want to be protected. Maybe in the, not the way you would do it. But he's saying, and either he's a liar or he's going to do it, he's saying, I've got it. I'll take care of it. 
So Christ followers, believers, when you've moved over into this new realm of living, we live in an entirely different way. We don't have to attack people. We don't have to belittle people. We don't have to post on Facebook mean posts. We can post and live out a flourishing life because we believe in this God who's leading us to the promised land. He's taking us there. He says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. Here's how I think I would say it this morning. We dethrone God when we act in ways to satisfy our ideas of justice. Let me just say it again. We dethrone God. We throw Him off the throne, which means we then pop on, when we act in ways to satisfy our ideas of justice. Now, you and I know we could never explain all the hurt and pain and evil and disappointment in this world. But God is using all of it to bring us to a place, a place that is good, a place that is a happy ending. Let me just say that again. It's going to take faith to believe this. God can take all of the hurt and pain that's foisted upon us and still get us to the happy ending He wants as long as we trust Him, as we continue to believe Him. It takes faith. But what we want to do is lash out. What we want to do is say, vengeance is mine, not His. And when we release it and let him do it, that's why we save to present our bodies a living and holy sacrifice. We need to present ourselves palms up and say, God, without denying the hurt, I'm not saying bury it. I'm not saying dismiss it. I'm saying the cross is where we see the justice of God. That's why in that picture of the two worlds. It's the cross. It's the cross that's the foundation. It's the cross where God says vengeance is mine. The cross is the place that decides all these things. Now, we know how it works in marriage. Spouse hurts you, and what do you want to do? Hurt them back. Maybe it's in a snarky comment. Maybe it's withholding something they want, if you know what I mean. There's things that we do to get back at our spouses. But God is making it really clear, never do that. That's not the way of life. There's a better way. It's not only our spouses, is it? Our families. Our families say and do things that pains us greatly. What are you going to do with that? You're going to take it to the cross because that's the wisdom of God. It's the only place to go. What do you do when someone at work, someone at school hurts you, lies about you, deceives you? Well, remember, we were all once kind of that way too. That old way of living. And you know what God does? He takes murderers like Moses he takes adulterers like David. 
He takes betrayers like Peter and he transfers them into a new realm of living. And whatever is in your bucket, he's saying, I'll deal with that and I'm going to transfer you into this new way of living. Let me hit verse 20, 21. It says, do not, over, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That is turning this world on its head, isn't it? This world thinks it's always you got to one-up people. And God is saying, no, overcome evil with good. Now, I skipped a little statement in there in verse 20. It says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him or her. Take care of him or her. Well, by doing these things, it says you'll heap burning coals on their head. I think what's happening here is if we as Christ followers and believers, instead of attacking the world with a lack of civility and started loving people, it would begin to change our hearts first and then the hearts of the world. Remember, Jesus said, you'll know my disciples by the way they love one another, but it's also true the world will see that we're his disciples by how we love one another. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't be in the public square. Yes, we need to speak into some of the silly statements being made in our world today. We need to address them. I'm not saying that. It's how we do this. Instead of snarkiness, instead of just doing the things the way the world does, but speaking truth and bringing them with kindness and civility. So let me just bring a few things to close here. And this is our union with Christ. I want to give you a picture of how we do this. These are the important things. First of all, we're like a plant and we're rooted in gospel soil. And our roots are in our union with Christ. Now, what do I mean by union with Christ? Well, this is a big topic in the entire Bible that we are rooted in God Himself. Christ lives in us. We live in Christ. That's what comes back over and over in the New Testament. Now, what does that mean? It means that Christ's obedience is our obedience. That, that's what union in Christ means. So the Apostle Paul loved the phrase in Christ, with Christ. He uses it scores of times because he's talking about this union. So we get the obedience of Christ. So when God looks at you and he looks at me, if you put your trust in Jesus Christ, not some vague faith, but faith in Christ, then his death on the cross, you have the obedience of Christ. That's amazing. Think about that. God the Father looks at you and sees that you have the very righteousness of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, you and I have the righteousness of Christ because of the uh, uh, obedience of Christ. Secondly, we're Christ's death is now our death. We have died to sin. So it's not only that Christ's obedience is our obedience, this union idea is that Christ's death is our death. We are dead to the power of sin. It no longer has a claim on us. We can now live freely from it. That's an amazing union that God has given us. And then... Christ's resurrection is our resurrection. Presently, we have life. That is, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And we will have resurrection life for all eternity. That is what Christ has done for us. And so as we're rooted in this soil, your destiny is sure. 
You know where you're going, so you don't have to attack the world. You don't have to attack people in the church. You are freed up to love people because you are perfectly, completely, eternally loved by God. You are His and nobody can snatch you out of His hand. Nobody. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. And so we are freed up to live and love and be kind in a way that the world can't because they do not not know who they are, but you know that you have been blood-bought, you have been adopted, you have been sealed by the Spirit. You are not like you were. You are a new person in Christ. Behold, if any woman, any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. That is who you are. So we can live differently because we have the Holy Spirit working in us so that we can love people, be kind to people, not take revenge, and we do not want to dethrone God. So let me just close with this. If we want to get to the happy ending, spending eternity with Him, enjoying Him, it's bad to sit in the front row. I'm just telling you. (laughs) Just another shower for the morning, right? So, so as you think about this, right, is that God is saying, I'm giving you wisdom so that you can live, so that you can live in a fallen, broken, messy, dangerous, dirty world, and you can only do it by the power of the Holy Spirit, which is relying on Him. Let's pray together. Father... Father, it's so amazing what you have done because of your son, Jesus Christ, how he changes everything. He brings us out of this old way, this old realm, brings us through the new, through the cross of Christ. And God, as we think about these different things, we know that it's through the Spirit. This is so important to us, is that we could not do it except by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we long for heaven. We long for it where the pain is gone and we live with you face to face. But now, God, you have given us wisdom, a way to live in the midst of a fallen, broken world. But God, we have a vision. We have a vision of a place that's happy, a place that is joyful, a place that is full of peace, a place where there's no sin, there's no death, there's no more dying, a place where we see you face to face. We long for that, but we need now your grace to live by your power in this world. In Jesus' name, amen.